All right. Welcome to our latest edition of The Biz, which is our podcast here at LABI, where we try to profile interesting people doing interesting things all across Louisiana. And today, um, again, we're going to turn the tables and ask someone who is has a job in asking questions. We're going to put him on the spot and ask questions. Uh-oh. So I am joined today by the man, the myth, the legend, Brian Haldane um, of 107.3 Mornings with Brian Haldane here in Baton Rouge and of Guarantee Media and all that good stuff. So Brian, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me on. I greatly appreciate this. This is going to be a little bit weird being on the receiving end. Do you get interviewed often? Not very often. Uh, career days, that sort of thing. Does it, free, does that, it freak you out? Or are you, it you, does freak me out a little bit. Really? Yeah, I'm always a little bit nervous as to how in-depth it's supposed to go so we, and end up telling stories that go way deeper than than what the original question was. Do you want to get into some deep, dark secrets? I mean, I don't really have any deep, dark no? secrets. i got three hours to fill every morning. My deep, dark secrets are... Are already uh, they're on demand at 1073.com. <laughs> nice plug, by the way. Thank I like you. That. Good job. Um, all right, let's get right to it. Okay, so for those that don't have the privilege of listening to Brian every weekday morning, uh, Monday through Friday from six till nine, six till nine uh, here in Baton Rouge, you're missing out. And you can find him. Uh, you know, you can get him online. You can get him through the app and all that good stuff. And if you want to know what's going on in the capital area, especially, he's the guy to listen to. But let's go back in time first. Okay. Uh, tell me a little bit first of all. Who you are, what you are, you're married, you got, what kind of guy you are. Give me some general stuff on you. I am married as of, uh, as of this month, married for 21 years. 21 years. On September 22nd will be my 21st anniversary, so got married 11 days after 9-11. Um, Very romantic. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, that was a transatlantic flight for a honeymoon that was like white-knuckled the oh, entire wow. way over. Where'd yeah. y'all go? Uh, we went to Dublin, Ireland. Nice. Uh, for a honeymoon. And um, yeah, it's a, it was actually turned out to be a backup plan. We were originally supposed to go on a cruise. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Commodore Cruise Lines, but they went on a business in July of our wedding year. So wow. yeah, yeah. So been married 21 years. Uh, I have three kids. I have a 10th grader, a fifth grader, and a first grader. Uh, the 10th grader is at S- uh, St. Joseph's Academy, uh, the fifth and first over at Our Lady of Mercy. And um, no, did not think if you would ask 20 year old Brian what 45 year old Brian would be like being this much of a dad, I never would have seen this coming. Okay, so we're going to get into the dad stuff a little bit because I know you're a good guy and we'll talk about that, but let's talk about that 20 year old Brian. So let's go back in time. Um, back then, what was 20 year old Brian going to do? 20 year old Brian was going to work in radio. 20 oh, really? year old Brian wanted to be Jim Rome. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You were a I sports was, guy. I was a big sports fan early on, a big fan of Jim Rome early on in the, uh, the early ESPN2 days. When Rome had that show Talk To. Oh, yeah. You remember Jim Everett came across the table and Absolutely. like took him out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was one of the Because he kept calling him Chris Everett. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and I was like, I don't know, something weird about my blood, but I was like, I want to be that guy. That's I want to be the guy who's antagonizing over here. Now, were you here in Baton Rouge at the time? Covington. Covington. Covington at St. Paul's. So was there like local sports talk radio there that was speaking not to you really, back then? No? Not really. No, it wasn't until well, I got What year are we here. talking about here? Not trying to date. Okay, so uh, I knew I wanted to be in radio all the way back in high school. Okay. So I graduated in 95. Okay, so we're around the same age. I'm 92. Yeah. Uh, moved to uh, Baton Rouge to go to LSU and just kind of stayed once I was here. I actually didn't dive into radio until I was 27 years old. I was working as a sales manager for a hotel and... Baton Rouge does a very good job in the hotel market, but it's not a quote unquote destination city. So, if what you're, you're telling me, Baton Rouge is not a destination. I mean, city? it does. Paul Arrigo has done the Lord's work for he 20 has, years because has. he has, and he wears a bow tie about as well as anyone I know wears a bow tie. He's pretty good at that. We don't need to get into bow ties. That's okay, let's not go. No, no, no. Him and so, both staples. No, what Arrigo has made Baton Rouge into from from a convention and visitor standpoint has been nothing short agree. of miraculous. He's he's agree. awesome. Yeah, but at the time. 
you know, wife and I, you know, I'm 27. I had dropped out of LSU previously. 27, Christy's like, you're really not happy doing what you're doing. You're working in a place where you've got a definite ceiling. If you want to get into broadcasting like you wanted to when you left high school, when you got into LSU, if you want to get into that, now's the time to you know what or get off the pot. So quit my job, went back to LSU, started looking for an internship in broadcasting, and um, embarrassingly enough, could not find an internship. I applied, <laughs> I applied to Guarantee, where I'm at now, Yeah, rejected there. I applied at uh, Citadel, which is now Cumulus, rejected there. Clear Channel, the other big group in town, told me they didn't have an internship So why did you get dumped so much? Like, what, what were you doing wrong back I, then? I don't know. I no. don't know. They just guaranteed didn't have anything open at the time. Uh, when I went over to Citadel, I actually applied to be the B. At the time, it was B103. Oh, yeah, B103, I applied yeah. to, for the job to be the mascot. I wanted to be the B. Like wear the costume. Yeah, just to get myself in the door. I got shot down. I got rejected to be the B. So you're, you're turned down on interview jobs. You're turned down on mascot jobs. Turned down on mascot jobs. Your wife now, is she uh, second-guessing the advice she gave you to go Not at all. At this point Not at all. No. As steadfast as ever. Oh, she's so like, back then, she's like, it. hey, keep going at it. Yeah, right? absolutely. So you keep um, chipping away. What happened next? I went back to Clear Channel a second time and said, you don't have an internship. Do you have a part-time job? The uh, program director of WJBO and WSKR at the time was Matt Kennedy. Yeah, Matt Kennedy. Yeah. Baton Rouge radio legend, right? Right. Um, he's like, I have a part-time job, but you're not going to want it. I was like, try me. He said, it's overnight, Friday night and Saturday morning, overnight, Saturday night and Sunday morning. That's it. Two seven-hour shifts, and that's it. That's all I got right now. Shifts doing what? Babysitting radio stations and holding a phone. A cordless phone that if that phone rings, it meant that Riverbend is melting down and I need to call somebody important. Oh. I said, I'll take it. Why not? So the overnight graveyard shift of the just-in-case some breaking news happens, someone's there to track it down, figure out how to go on air and like do all that logistic air traffic Yes, I stuff. wasn't going to be the one to go on air. I was the one that called somebody important. Yeah, right. right, I would call somebody important to go on air. So I took that job in October of 2004. Right. And every weekend... That was my weekend. I, was, I would be there from midnight till 7 a.m. on both days. As time progressed, one of the Saturday morning guys ended up getting a little bit sloppy and bailing. So by midnight to 7 a.m. turned into midnight to 10 a.m., and I would produce the sports shows on the score on Saturday morning. Nice. Same thing happened on Sunday. Because they had a couple of the local high school football recap, maybe talking about the Tigers That's later right. today. That's right. The guys yeah. from the Real Deal, and yeah, uh, yeah. we. Uh, so I was doing that for a, a good little, you know, a couple of months or whatever, and then I went back to Matt and said, "Listen, everything's automated overnight. Would it be would it be a problem if we were to take sixty seconds out of the bottom of the hour and I could start recording a newscast? It's not like the, it's not like the commercials are all what sold go and, wrong? in the middle of in the middle of coast to coast radio. Yeah, the graveyard shift guy talking right. news. What could go wrong? Exactly. So he's like, "Why not? Let's do that." So I started doing that, and it wasn't. But I don't know. Not too many months later, October of two thousand four to August 29th of two thousand five, uh -oh. my radio career turned on a dime. Yeah, I know where this story goes. Yeah, so for those of you that don't remember August 29th, two thousand five, think hard. Trust me, you do remember. So. Now that we've given them a second to uh, remember, what happened on that day? On that day, on that morning, I mean, well before dawn, which was why I was in studio to begin mm -hmm. with, uh, well before dawn, Katrina comes uh, comes ashore in New Orleans. New Orleans is wiped out, I mean, in every literal and figurative sense there is. Mm -hmm. um, and the program director of WWL is pounding on the door at Clear Channel. 
apparently they had set up to, when their studios got wiped out, they were going to broadcast from Baton Rouge, from the, uh, I don't think it's still called the Xerox building, off of Hilton Avenue. Yeah, right. So they came up here and were looking for studios. I had no idea this was even happening. Nobody bothered to call me. So we get them in. We start working. For the next, I don't know, four months, five months, it was nonstop who can work who can fill in, who can do this, who can do that. And I said yes to everything under the sun. So I worked with a ton of the legends that I grew up. I mean, growing up in Covington, I listened to WWL my whole life. Growing up in Covington, I listened to the Tommy Tuckers and the Spud McConnells. And I hesitate to say it now, but the Vince Marinellos of the world. Um, These were the guys that, you know, I grew up with. So they're all in-house and I'm picking up every shift I can. And all the people that were in-house from New Orleans, you had all of Clear Channel New Orleans, all of Intercom New Orleans and all of Clear Channel Baton Rouge, all working together. The studios that were normally just for us, yeah, you got all this manpower trying, or all this congestion, trying to put out radio in different forms and fashions, all while rebuilding a city right down the road, all while all the chaos of Katrina and the post, the aftermath of Katrina was going on. So, I mean, this was really, as tragic as it was, it was the opportunity that really propelled my career. And isn't that kind of the crazy part of your career, journalism, news? I mean, the the most tragic moments is where people tune in the most to news stations. And so as as someone in this business, I mean, you you detest as a citizen these moments, but you also understand those are the those are the moments that make or break a station, make or break a career. So talk about that friction and, and that and the balance a little bit. I'm sure at the time you, you probably had family impacted, you had friends impacted, you were worried about your state, but at the same time, you know this was your moment to shine. Talk about that a little bit. So, absolutely. My parents uh, had just moved up here, so they were okay. My in-laws had just moved to the North Shore, and as Katrina jogged a little bit east, they actually ended up right in the path of where Katrina shifted to. Oh, wow. Oh, I know. It was, it was rough. Um, and so, it was just me and my wife at the time. We didn't have our first kid until two years later. So, from our end, it was pretty much just pretty easy Christy was like, you go do what you got to do, every opportunity you can. And it was, at the time, you're not thinking about it from a career standpoint. You're thinking about it of, you got all these people from New Orleans who really want to be working, but at the same time, they need to go back home to rebuild their lives. They've got an hour's drive between New Orleans and Baton Rouge every single day just to cover, you know, cover whatever work they've got to do. If I can spell them a little bit, then all the better for them to go back down and start rebuilding. So if I'm spelling eight different people over the course of a week. Now my schedule's full up as well. So from Katrina moving forward, we have had no shortage. And I mean, no shortage of disasters. It is weird to be in that position where, you know, in the aftermath, it will be beneficial for the career. But when you're in it all, I mean, all you're thinking about is let's just get through. Let's get like, people are going to be tuning in, especially when the power goes out. I mean, even in 2022, when the power goes out, the radio is going to be on nonstop. Even in this world of, you know, having everything at the fingertips on the cell phone and whatnot, when the power goes out, it is the go-to. And, and you know, we've all, in Louisiana, we've all been through these storms over the years, and we know how traumatic they can be. And then as a, you know, as someone who used to be on the inside in, 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 in government, I know how during the aftermath of those storms, the immediate aftermath I'm talking about, mm-hmm. Information, reliable information is hard to come by. Yes. Uh, reports are everywhere. Um, oh, we heard this. We heard that. This levee's breaking. This one's not. 
How do you decide which one goes live as fact and which one goes? Uh, do you get the second source, or how do you how do you fact check in a time where information is a lot faster than reliable information is coming? So there are different levels to that. The first of which is if it comes from a position of authority, I'm running with it for sure. Um, a sheriff, a, 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 someone a sheriff, on site. a PIO. Um, we got during Hurricane Ida last year. We had a ton of information coming back from. Um, the uh, PIO from Lafouche Parish, the PIO from Terrebonne Parish, a public information officer. Um, and if it's coming back from someone who has, I mean, I guess it's a radio version of a blue check mark. If it's coming back from somebody who yeah. I know has a position that they would, uh, they would not be inclined to spread rumor themselves, I can run with that. Now, a lot of the information we get after a storm comes back from just everybody. Just And how do I triage that? Well, I'll start off by saying, if it is just rumor, this is what's reported. Don't run with it yet. Okay, we're going to hold on to it for a minute. I'll ask, and this is where the phone comes in handy, I'll ask, shoot me over a picture. It's like we're taking on water off of Alligator Bayou or whatever. Okay, shoot me over a picture. Right. And I can get confirmation that way very, very quickly. Um, there is a, there's a number of folks out there who make it a lot easier in that they contribute on a daily basis. They'll be on my YouTube stream every day. And you kind of build that relationship. So with you have, them. and these are like chronic listeners who you've learned. They're not just there to like you know heckle you. They're there to actually be helpful. Absolutely, uh, and they are one thousand percent reliable. As You're well. meeting these people, That's, or they're all just like living uh, your. Yes, I have uh, in your <laughs> chat rooms. <laughs> it, it's random, random meetings. Like either I'm over at Matherns picking up lunch one day, yeah. or uh, I met one at the um, oh, what's the one the the, the messengers. Christmas display out in Denham Springs. Listener comes up to me. He's like, hey, Brian. He's like, I'm not, not going to give his name out, but he's, you know, been listening to you. He's, he's a weather nerd like me. So he's, he's one that he's right more often than I am. Okay. So if you're a self-proclaimed weather nerd, what's, what's your jam? Like, what's the news that really drives you? Like, you know, if you're thinking a big breaking news moment, what's the one that's going to get you most amped up? Um, every time it's just before there's a name storm. So you're a storm guy. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. Also, um, trying to predict what's going on locally. So it, it's so splattered all over the board. Yeah. It, it's darn near impossible. Well, that's what's interesting about your show. You do cover a lot of different topics. Um, in the course of a couple hour show, I mean, you're hitting 10, you know, 10 different topics a lot of times. So you have to, you have to have a pretty deep understanding of a lot of different issues. So you got to keep it exciting, but also challenging for you. It is a bit of, yeah, it yeah. is. And um, I, look, I make it look like I know a lot just because I can study what's coming the next day and my brain can release information as quickly as it can retain it. Like I can dump it and move on to be sure. <laughs> it's don't ask me for anything I talked about two weeks ago, because it's not up here. Anymore. Hey, fake it till you make it. There's, exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So let's talk about radio in general. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because look, you know, nowadays, I mean, I can just think back to where I was a decade ago and how I consume news and how it's different now. And, you know, I tell folks sometimes, you know, from, from my previous, you know, I, I think back when I was in the governor's office, what, 10 years ago, whatever the heck it was. And, when we want to put a story out or manage a story or whatever, you would go down in the Capitol Press Corps and every newsroom, print newsroom, would have ample number of reporters in there that you would talk to on any given beat. Um, the 6 o'clock news, the 10 o'clock news, those are the two things you had to get ready for. Now, it's almost like um, social media, Twitter, Instagram, you and I were joking about TikTok before. Yeah. All these things are changing how people consume their news. When you talk to some of the younger folks out there, I mean, they are not 
going to traditional news sources that, that, that they laugh at the thought of having a print newspaper show up on their front porch. And so how does radio fit into that changing landscape of news delivery and news reception? Okay, so as far as news delivery is concerned, think of radio, think of my show, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. It's nothing but a distribution venue. Radio, like we've had a, a, a generation of quote unquote radio guys who, you know, I've, I've been trained in radio. No, you're an entertainer and you inform. Mm -hmm. Those are the two things you do. Radio is just a distribution venue. It's just how you get the information from point A to point B. It is no different than doing a podcast. It is no different than turning on your camera and going live on Instagram or Facebook or, or, or posting up tweets or TikToks. TikTok is a little more, uh, not as timely. Twitter is so in the moment, still, Twitter is so in the moment where you know it's instant. You know 15 minutes later it's gone from your feed. Mm -hmm. um, so radio becomes just a manner of which you can build your reputation to where you know that you're present everywhere else. So what do you know about your audience? How do you all gauge who's listening, how many people are listening, when they're listening? How, how do you know that as a radio guy? So there are rating services out there. Are they reliable? Uh, Nielsen's a big new. No. Uh, Nielsen's a big one. Um, they send out a couple thousand diaries a month and people respond to them and they get paid a dollar or two for doing it. Um, we actually don't partake in Nielsen, so we can't use it. Um, we build when y'all get together, when you and Flynn or whoever the, 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 the brain trust is over there, when y'all get together and say, all right, people are listening or they're not, do you go to social media impressions? Do you go to other ways to, to reflect that? So to be clear, I'm not in those meetings. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not part of the brain trust, but it's, primarily relationships. Yes, you can gauge downloads. That's a very real-time number, mm -hmm. uh, gauging the number of downloads. But the downloads are only one portion of an overall audience, especially when you're talking about morning shows, where it's just part of your morning routine. You're going to get 20 to 45 minutes worth of a listener from you know whether or not they've got you on while they're shaving or in the commute on the way to work or whatever. But you can go and find out how many people downloaded yesterday's show? Absolutely. You know that number? Absolutely. Is it pretty consistent or does it hop all over the board? It hops all over the board. And it has a lot to do with, so when it comes to my show, I'll put every hour back out if you want to listen to the full hour. And there's be a few hundred downloads a day. Um, or I'll put every individual segment back out again. And that's where it varies. But those get huge, like way bigger numbers. And, you know, just as being someone who's, and you've been very kind and courteous to, to bring me on the show a lot. And you know, we send it out through our channels and, and we get clicks on that and, and it, it helps us to kind of deliver that message as well. So I guess in a weird way, social media, it feels like to me is a is a threat to traditional modes of journalism, newspaper and radio, but it's also an amplifier of it. Okay. So, so which is it more of? The second one. It is more of an amplifier. It is okay. more of a way to take what you already do as a content creator and make sure more people are finding out who you are and what you do. It is, it is a chance to put you in front of audiences that you traditionally wouldn't have been put in front of before. There is, especially with talk radio as well, where there's been a reputation of talk radio, just angry political shouting, right? Yeah. You, you know my show. That's not what I do. That's what you do. That's, and I'm local news. I'm pretty more business-driven than political-driven. Uh, smattering of entertainment, smattering mm -hmm. of LSU, uh, academics and whatnot. Um, it it's not the political shouting match that you would normally attribute to what talk radio has consistently been. The only way I can let people know about that is via social media by tagging myself onto other, uh, taking my tribe and connecting it with other tribes. Yeah. 
Okay, so you talked a little bit earlier about how you were the behind-the-scenes guy, you were the graveyard shift guy, yep. Katrina came in, you got to do all this exciting stuff, being around people you knew as well. So fast forward to now, well, you're no longer behind-the-scenes dude, just right. so you know. You're <laughs> the morning talk show guy in, yes. in Baton Rouge in the capital city. So how did you get to that seat? So that was in 2011. Um, I was over. I was still over at Clear Channel. Yeah. And Guarantee Media, who was a locally owned, locally run company, decided we're not in the news talk space. Like, if we're going to be local, we need to serve locally. And par- having a news talk presence was a part of that. And Gordy Rush came over and said, we'd like to have you on board. And I was like, okay, done done deal. And for those that don't know Gordy, Gordy's a former LSU guy, does some stuff in the broadcast, but also in the Garrett. For those that don't know Gordy. Well, you know, we got, we got listeners all over the state. You know, you got someone maybe sitting out in uh, Marouge right now saying, uh, I don't know enough. who Gordy is. And so, but, and also in the guarantee world, what is he? A general manager. General manager of guarantee media. Mm-hmm. And that is not just the radio station, but other stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're, we're in a whole lot of different places right now. Right. Uh, under Guarantee's umbrella, we're, uh, we're we got uh, Gator Works is our uh, right, yeah. web company. We now have Fantastic uh, J. Cody underneath us as well, as far as Delicious. government taco and the J. Cody line of yeah. products and everything. Um, we've got uh, we've just launched a whole podcast network. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. Drop Biscuit Studios. So we're yeah we're kind of all over the place. Okay, so Gordy but, says, come on, we need cool. you. We need you to be part of the family. I said absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've worked in family atmospheres before. When I was in hotels, I worked for a large corporation, and I worked for family. I'll take family all day long. Yeah, it, it, it is a chance to be a part of something, not just you know a, a piece of the puzzle that's easily replaceable. It's it, it's just not. It's you can see the fruits of your labor and how they pay off. Um, it. Having worked for corporate radio and having worked for guarantee, I'm. There, I don't. There's no other place I want to be. Well, that's good. I mean, and I would think you'd be a fool not to talk nice about your current boss. Well, I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> I know it's going to sound like that, but it's the, the, we're here to. And serve. for the record, I love my current board of directors here at Lobby. I mean, They're no, fantastic right. people. Great, that's great, great men and women. <laughs> there is a difference between having a job and then just what we do. It's, totally. It, it it it's a different vibe around that building, and um. I don't know. It's irreplaceable. So Gordy comes over, gets me. We launched in 2011. Um, it was me. It was Matt Kennedy. It was Bill Perfita. Then we brought on Clarence Bugs. Um, and then I went away for a little while and came back again. And we had Kevin Gallagher for a little while as well. And eventually uh, it was me as the morning show. When we first launched, it was me and Matt Kennedy yeah. as the morning show hosts. And then things have evolved over time, and now it's just me. And Clay Young was in there for a little while. Whenever Matt, I think, stepped aside. So I mean, Clay no... Young went in for Matt over across the street. Once right. Matt left, Clay was the morning show host there. Right. Clay, Clay's been around for, like, forever. The yeah. dude's been doing it right for Dude, years. Don't be calling Clay old now. I'm he, not... he will come hunt you down. I know he will. I yeah. know he will. No, he's been doing it right to, to have that kind of longevity in the business. And to be – I don't think Clay's hosted a show in a couple of years, and he's still – revered as one of the top guys around. Well, if you want to learn more about Clay Young, you listen to the podcast we put out just last week and, and talked about this. Just a, a, a look at you, teeing it up for me. I appreciate Telling that. You. Okay, so now it's just you doing the show. You're the one-man band over yes. there. Um, so what's your what's your daily rhythm like? I mean, because when people get in the car, you're already on the air. Yes. So, like, what, what's your daily grind? Like, what time are you getting up? How many, like, you know, m- massive coffees are you drinking? Like, how do you, how do you make that function? Uh, 3.30 a.m., the alarm goes off. Damn. 3.45, the second alarm goes off, and I actually get up. 4.30 a.m., I walk through the front door, guarantee. Um, show starts at 6, so that last hour and a half is a lot of the suddens-only stuff. Now, when we get to the back end of the day, you're going to understand why that's 
goofy, but having that hour and a half last minute of prep and whatnot uh, is important. Six till nine is the show, and the show just it, it is sometimes runs smooth, sometimes does not. Sometimes we have to flush the entire previous day's prep and and start all over again if something you know monstrous is happening. Sure. Um, after nine a.m., there's usually a round of morning meetings, sales, operations, these sorts of things. Then I'll get to work on booking the next day's guests. Um, and that'll kind of happen in the background with, I'm also the program director of the station. So texting people, making phone calls and whatnot will happen intermittently with doing the rest of the job, making sure the rest of the station is running smoothly. Just news side or sports side too? Just Talk 107.3. Talk 107.3, got yeah. it. So um, that'll go on until about 1, 1.30. Um Hop out of the uh, you know hop out of guarantee completely clock myself out for about an hour um, kind of decompress go hit the gym get ready for my second part of the day which starts with carpool and coaching nice um, so yeah it's, this is where you, you put your daddy and your husband and your neighbor and son and brother and all that stuff time in yeah as best I can yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah right now it's picking up the oldest one until she gets her driver's license and then coaching the middle one in basketball and soon coaching the youngest in basketball as well. So when do when do you just like shut down because you you know that alarm's coming at three thirty again? Um, get home, continue with the booking guests for the next day and whatnot. Because I try to keep my show as guest oriented as possible. Yeah, no, you load um, it up. Yeah, rather than just one guy ranting, I figure it's uh, probably more entertaining to hear from more people. And it's good damage control to limit your rants. Well, too, th- there's I'm that, guessing, but yeah. if we can go back to the connecting via social media, it's also more tribes to touch in on. Yeah, there you go. So, Boom. um. Evening time, dinner and everything, I kind of keep work on the back burner, help with homework. Once the kids are in bed at 9, um, I'm back to it prepping for the next day. So when do you go to bed? About 11.30. You sleep 11.30 to 3. I'll give you 45. Yeah. It sounds like you, you hit that snooze. Thereabouts. Once. Yeah, thereabouts. So You know so, they recommend like six hours of sleep I'm and all this stuff. well right? aware, and I take uh, advantage of it on Saturday mornings. Okay, so on weekends you can crash, or are you still all wired and your schedule's all screwed up? No, no, I crash. Okay. Big time. There you go. Yeah, all right. Yeah, Saturday and like, well, getting to sleep until— How long have you been on this schedule? Three and a half years, four years. And well, is, is yeah, this sustainable? Yeah, three and a half years. Is this sustainable? I think so. I think so? I think so. So far, so good. Good for, the fun, um, good for you, good for the family, all that stuff that works well? Everybody seems happy so far. You know, it's funny, my, my, my sister-in-law is married to an ER doctor in Maryland, and his schedule, to me, is crazy. You know, it's like there'll be, you know, he, he runs an ER unit there, so sometimes it's overnight, sometimes there. It's always all over the place, but, like, for them, it's normal. Mm-hmm. And, like, I look at it, I'm like, I don't know how you can function around that. And they're like, well, we wouldn't know how to function the regular way because we're used to having these different windows open that you don't have, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess, you know, everyone gets used to anything, right? Pretty much. We're pretty malleable. It's um, it, it, it Towards the end of the week, it starts to wear down a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But there's this actually goes back into booking out the show with the guests ahead of time is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I have a half an hour of my show that I already know is covered. I've got regular guests that are, that are lined up, and it just – as the week wears on, you know there's more follow-up on stories. You're not you're not necessarily taking breaking news, but you're taking advancing the story from point A to point B. Like for example, and I realize this is a podcast, so we shouldn't be trapped in time. But health and um, sorry, the health and welfare committee on Tuesday yeah. was supposed to talk about DCFS. They did. Well, I already know that Wednesday I could talk to members of that committee on my show. Hey, who are you having on? Beth Mizell. Uh, She's yeah. great. She's great. Seven fifteen. So She's great. I'll, I'll, I'll be tuning in to listen. So. When I look at my 6 to 9 a.m. window of what my show is, it's just a matter of filling in pieces one at a time, one at a time. 
until the next day show was filled up. Okay, so you're talking to you're interviewing a lot of people. You're getting a lot of you know customer you know inter interaction. You got your typical people you hear from. You're probably watching Facebook posts and all that stuff. So, what's the general mood of people out there? From, from I would say you have a pretty good finger on the pulse of that. Are people in Louisiana optimistic, pessimistic? Are they? Uh, how would you define them right now? I would separate that into two different things. Okay. Social media were the worst. Social media, you're going to get the worst of everybody. So just the haters saying how much they hate. hate. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Once you get in, get out into real life face-to-face, folks will tell you a lot more. The, the people I interact with, I don't say folks, but the people I interact with in real life, they're more positive about their own state of where they are mm-hmm. versus the overall state of where things are. The overall state of where things are is going to degenerate into everything that's wrong. But there's a lot more positivity in what people are doing than what everybody else is doing. It's controlling the controllables, I guess. It, you're going to get a lot more positivity out of that. But the overall state of, I don't know, whether you're talking about Louisiana's economy, whether you're talking about the Biden administration, whether you're talking about the new Brian Kelly era, I mean, you're just going to get pessimism all over social media. Yeah. So what about you? What about Brian Haldane, the guy? What, 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 are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? You know, what, what's your, you're listening to all these people. You're playing Dr. Phil for the whole freaking community every, every single day. <laughs> so what does it lead to your, how does that leave your psyche at the end of the day? I'm, I'm, I'm a relatively positive guy by nature. All right. I, I mean, you almost have to be, right? Yeah. It's, it, it, we are in a period of growth right now that I don't think we've experienced, and growth involves pain. We're in a period of growth right now that I don't think we've experienced in our lifetimes, and I don't know that we've experienced it ever. In that information is coming so fast, mm-hmm. uh, the ability to uh, manipulate information has been, that art has been mastered. Um, we are looking for new areas of exploration on the job front. We are looking at new areas of exploration on the entertainment front. We are, and, and by that I mean like think about the entertainment you consume on, on a nightly basis. It's not the good old days of scripted television that had professional entertainers that were made to entertain us. Mm-hmm. Now it's scripted television that's made to not look like scripted television. Correct. And quote unquote reality television. Yes. Right. And it's consumed in a completely different way as well. And I honestly, it's coming from hundreds of different outlets. There is what's on TV. There's what's on Netflix, Hulu. Apple. Whatever. So, do you think that tees and, up radio to 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 look more like the trusted news deliverer because it's it can't be scripted. It's 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 a dialogue that's aired real time. Like you're interviewing people left and right on your show. Yes, it's really hard to script that because you ask a question, that person's going to answer it how they want. I know sometimes you ask me questions, you probably think you you know I'm going to answer, not taking a weird direction because you're like, whoa, 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 I didn't expect it, to hear that. And so, th- does it give it more authenticity? Authenticity is the key word there. Yes, and that is 100 something we can we can hang our hat on every single day. Is what you get was not prepared ahead of time. What you get was not edited on the back end. What you get is how it happened in real time. If you're if you're watching reality, like if you're watching The Real Housewives, that is chopped up and edited a thousand times over after it was given to them by writers. Sure. So there's nothing real in that, and that's where social media becomes a very big factor as well. Social media is appearing to be real, but there's nothing real about it. Nothing there's, at all. No. The, I, the number of. Um, uh, those that pretend to be real, but they're actually organized efforts behind there trying to drive an agenda. I mean, it, we, you see it all the time. Right. When was the last time you saw a vacation picture of somebody where they're all ready to pull their hair out because they're in the back of the family truckster as the Griswolds go cross country? 
Those pictures don't exist on Instagram or Facebook. It's the perfectly posed. We're all, we happen to be wearing matching shirts picture. Like those, like the. Are you a matching shirt guy at Disney? No. No. Would you believe I've never been to Disney World? I would not believe that. I've been to Disneyland. Actually, Disneyland's underrated because it's mm. everything you got in Disney World, but it's a much smaller package, and they sell they serve booze there like everywhere, not just in the uh, what do you call the Magic Kingdom area. So nice. It's it's an underutilized gym out there. The 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 picture of your kid who fell asleep with his ice cream cone on his chest that doesn't exist on Instagram. The ugly doesn't exist on Instagram. That's right. So even so, radio's got to bring the ugly. Is that the big we, new tagline for Guarantee we Media? We specialize in the ugly. Yes. I like it. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to sell well. I think like okay, so let's go back to the sports thing real quick, and yeah. then we'll kind of wrap this up. So your first love of sports is kind of how you want to go into that. So you're a sports fan, I take it? Oh, huge. If you could, if you if you if they walk in the office tomorrow and say, "Hey, dude, you want to jump to do your own sports show? Would you do that jump?" Mm, I don't know. You kind of like the news now, huh? So it's not a matter of that. It's a, it's a matter of I don't want to dislike sports. Oh, you think if it was your job, it would turn into less of a fun outlet I, more into I a laborious. I don't want it to be, yeah. Okay. And I've got, I've got a side hustle working in sports, so I, that, that, that's, that's plenty on my end. But I don't want to be the guy who has to analyze and break down every single second of every single LSU game or every single Saints game. I don't want to hate sports. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, yeah, I grew up playing sports. I enjoy the games. I enjoy the competition. I enjoy the competition more than I enjoy the winning and losing. So, you know, Swain, you mentioned back in the day when you kind of started on this thing. So, when I was in college, I worked at a radio station also, AM 1300 WIBR here in Baton Rouge. Uh, me and another guy co hosted the Sunday Sports Journal on Sunday mornings. Okay. It was tough to get up on, on Sunday mornings when I was in college to do it, but I did it. And uh, we had a two hour show. And it was fun, and I enjoyed it, but it was during the Curly Hallman era. And so we covered a lot of bad football and broke down a lot of underwhelming losses. But it it was fun. I I enjoyed the heck out of it. I mean, you know, back then, though, what was happening then? LSU was losing to Florida State. Oh, wait, no. Well, oh yeah, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, but you know what? I'm like, we're gonna real quickly say this. Like, I am <laughs> bullish on the Brian Kelly era. Oh, so am I. I think this is a a, a long term rebuild, and this is going to be a learning moment they're going to benefit from. And I think by the end of the season, you're going to see great growth, and then you're going to see a recruiting class, and all of a sudden, you got a program on the march. It's just going to be a little bit of a tricky year to get there. Can we go back to the optimism pessimism question about what you see out there though? Yeah. Because we live in a society right now that I, I here's what I hope. I hope that he gets the opportunity. To grow as far as he can grow. He will do. He's got a $100 million guaranteed contract. Where's he going to go? I know. I know. But We're married. We're married. <laughs> Look, whether, whether fan base is in love or not, it don't matter. You're married. I, I believe that given the room to run, he will he will run and I he will to. sprint and he will excel. I agree. And, and we are gonna, we're on for good things here. Okay, so last thing on sports, and then we got to get off this. because this, this topic's going to make me mad. You're a Mets fan, I hear? I am a Mets fan. What the heck? Since 10 years old. Okay, so remember back at the beginning when we were talking about who influenced me to get into radio? Yeah. And I, I wanted to be that antagonist. Yeah. Okay, when you have Jim Everett cross the table against Jim Rome, right. and I, I would rather be in Jim Rome's spot. Growing up in South Louisiana, everybody was either a Braves fan or a Cubs fan. Or you, Strohs. You had a lot of Strohs fans. Strohs fans yeah. due to proximity, but if you're watching ball games on TV, you were either getting TBS or WGN. Superstation or WGN, that's okay. right. I'm born in 1976. When I'm 10 years old, it's 1986. That's the amazing Mets, right? Yeah, it is. So Strawberry, Gooden, uh, David Hernandez, Cone, Hernandez, Carter, Wally Backman, Lenny well, Dykstra. The whole have crew. you seen Wally Backman coaching minor league baseball? I have not. Not safe for work, but if you have the opportunity, Google it. A little salty mouth. Oh, oh, okay. He's right. a legend. Doesn't surprise me. That was anyway, a bad boy team right there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So 10-year-old Brian has no idea what the bad boy stuff is going on behind the scenes with Lenny Dykstra or Mookie Wilson or whatever. Yeah. So 
I just wanted to pull for somebody that I could kind of, you know, rib my friends a little bit. And they're all Cubs fans or Braves fans. So in 1986, 10-year-old Brian is a bandwagon Met fan. Now, through the 90s, I stuck with him. So I kind of feel like I earned my stripes here a little bit because anything – when you have a book written about your team that's literally called The Worst Team Money Can Buy, yeah. if you stay with them, you're no longer a bandwagon fan. So, yes – I am still to this day a Mets fan. Well, d- two quick comments on that, and then we'll move on. One, I have to have to admit, I, I really do t- detest the Mets, but this is why. It's fine because I lived in St. Louis for five years. As a kid. My dad got a job there, huge Cardinals fan. During that time, we dumped Keith Hernandez because of his drug problem. The Mets picked him up and won World Series with him. So there's a little bit of bitterness there. But I will tell you one interesting Mets story back then. So fast forward to high school. I'm in St. Louis. One of my jobs is I'm working on a Footlocker, and one day. The Mets are in town. I know this after the fact. But anyway, in walks a guy that I immediately recognize, Daryl Strawberry, Okay. into the footlocker. So I walk up to him like, can I help you? And I swear to God, this is true. He's like, uh, yeah, do you all sell Air Jordans? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. What size? He's like, how many you got? I'm like, what size? He's like, any size. So I go look in the back, and I can't remember the number was. It was like, I don't know, 15 or whatever. He's like, I'll take them. He awesome. bought every Air Jordan we had, regardless of size, and walked out of there. So a little trivia. I sold Daryl Strawberry, like whatever it was, 14, 15 Air Jordans of multiple sizes at the Chesterfield Mall in like 1990 or whatever it was. And I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever done. In my that life. is the coolest thing. Yeah, that's awesome. so great. So, and everyone else is like, who was that dude? I'm like, what do you mean who was that dude? That was Daryl Strawberry. Come He's on, recognizable. Uh, not in the Chesterfield Mall back in the 90 or whatever it was he wasn't. So. Uh, yeah, Cardinals and Mets in the 80s, mid-80s especially, 85, 86. That was yeah. contentious. Well, well, we'll have a breakdown of why the Cardinals are awesome and the Mets are terrible in another podcast down the road, but I appreciate you staying loyal to a fan base. Too many people are uh, there jump off the bandwagon. I'm glad you don't do that. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that was our discussion with Brian Howdy. I can't thank you enough for coming in. And look, and thank you for, look, every day getting up, putting a good product out there. Um, if folks want to really kind of like win your drive time, listen to someone who's going to introduce you to interesting people on in the area. You interview all the members of Congress on a, on a weekly basis. It feels like you get a lot, you pack a lot of information into your show. And I want to appreciate you for doing that because Thank you. in the social media world, there's a lot of words and a lot of things said, but not much really delivered a lot of times. You're actually delivering a quality product, and I know that's not easy, so thank you for doing that. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, that was Brian Haldane, a good guy and a great uh, radio guy, even though he doesn't consider himself a radio guy. And um, that was uh, the latest edition of The Biz. Uh, So tune in next time. We'll introduce you to some other interesting people like Brian. And uh, thanks for listening.